It's February and whatever the groundhog says, we're in winter here on the Outer Cape. Still a time for hunkering down at home or taking walks on trails and beaches that will remain relatively quiet for another month or so. How will you take care of yourself in the coming weeks of winter? Today's guest, Elise Phillips, is the founder and CEO of Navigate Health and Wellness Coaching and Consulting. I've asked her to share some health and wellness coaching tips to keep us focused on self-care and well-being in these winter months. I'm Gwen Guzzo, and this is Here For You, the Helping Our Women radio show at WOMR, where we discuss topics related to wellness and well-being. Welcome, Elise, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Gwen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad this worked out. I started to follow you when I saw that you were leading a group health coaching class uh, through Cape Cod Community College. And so I'm wondering if you could just start by telling us more about your background working in health education and how did you become a health coach? Great. Well, thank you so much for for asking. So, you know, I majored in health education in college and graduate school. I've always loved the field of health and wellness. I've been involved with health coaching my entire career through all my roles in public and independent schools, teaching, hospitals, healthcare, higher ed, and leading and building departments from the ground up. I also developed a health and wellness coach institute in 2011 during my time at Boston College, and I really enjoyed coaching and having an impact on clients' lives. So say a little bit more about actually when you say, um, what is a health coach? I mean, I've used a health coach through my health insurance a couple of years ago, and that was by the phone and it related to simple changes in my eating habits. We focused on, you know measurable small steps I could take and had that follow-up by phone for a number of weeks. Mm -hmm. That's just one way of doing health coaching. How do you describe your approach to health coaching? And what do you want listeners to know about what a health coach might do? Yeah, great question. So my approach to coaching is holistic, collaborative, strength-based, realistic, and, and very positive. And I partner with clients to support them to navigate a healthier, happier, more balanced life and and really supporting their health and wellness goals. And, you know, coaching sessions can be offered either individually or in groups, which is what I do. Um, You know, a coach is a partner. So when someone contacts me, Mm -hmm. we get started with a discovery call. We review their current health and wellness by exploring their thoughts, their feelings, their motivation, their behaviors, mm-hmm. their habits, and, and what supports they have. And then together, we really gain an understanding of what their priorities are, what they hope to gain, and what their goals are. And then we set up a coaching plan that consists of an assessment, a variety of tools that I use, and a really wonderful communication technique. I know you and I have talked about it called motivational interviewing, where we really incorporate open-ended questions and active listening. And so clients leave each session with a clear plan of how they can support their behavior change mm-hmm. with some goals that they can, you know, practice in the, you know, sometimes it takes weeks, something, sometimes it takes months to, to really reach their goals. So it's really that partner and companion. It sounds mm-hmm. like um, it's not that you're coming in with a prescription. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really about the client. They really lead the process and it's really what's good for them. It's they they find this intrinsic motivation versus mm-hmm. somebody telling them what to do. And because they find that it, it's really helpful. 
So I'm curious about um, how it's been, is it different um, when you created a coaching program um, at, at Boston College or in other places that you've worked versus working one-on-one -on -one with individual clients or um, smaller group coaching sessions? Mm -hmm. Are there real differences in those populations? Of course, I imagine there are some different concerns, but I'm, I'm curious about that. So I think in, one, one of the things I really like to talk about with coaching is that it's very unique to the individual and absolutely whether you're working with students or adults or adults that are in later career or mid-career, um, but coaching just really has so many benefits. It's really a partnership and and, and coaches don't give advice. We really guide our client to find answers from within themselves and what works for them. And, and through it, whatever population, they really gain a deeper understanding about what's happening. They build personal awareness. They gain life satisfaction and, and again, really supporting them to reach their goals. That's really helpful to hear about more about the process. So, mm -hmm. so as you describe that process, um, and how you work with people and are listen using active listening or motivational interviewing, as you said, how, how does it, how does it help? Like, I know one of the things that helped me in the mini coaching I had through the health insurance program I have was that it was like the smart goals, right? Specific, yeah. measurable, and just easy. And she didn't ask me to do everything. She just said, you know, do you, I decided. And I chose, it wasn't her. She just asked me, what could you change? And I chose yeah. one very small thing. I guess that's what I'm wondering is like, how, is there a story you could tell about a time that you felt it really helped someone to just mm. help our listeners see and feel that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a lot of different types of clients where uh, through the coaching sessions, there's really just been a lot of personal growth with them reaching their priorities and and positive outcomes, I would say, in areas of managing stress, managing time, increasing sleep, um, really sort of affecting health behaviors and positive outcomes. And so, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of clients that have come in and wanted to stop smoking and have stopped mm -hmm. smoking, decreased their stress, increased exercise, or made a life transition. And I'm sort of thinking specifically about one client recently that came to me experiencing just a great deal of stress thinking about the next chapter of her life. Mm. So she had this, you know, really wanting to plan her next yeah. chapter, but she was so stressed about it. And so um, through our coaching conversations, she was really able to find strength and resources in a network that really enabled her to make that plan and decrease stress. And it was all through a well-being lens, which was very helpful. Um, and she really expressed that that coaching helps so much and that she felt so much better, less stressed, renewed well-being. And, and she was able to embark on this new journey. But the one thing she said at the end was she said, I now have hope. Mm. And that just, you know, when you hear something like that as a coach, yeah. it just it just takes you back a little bit. And, and, yeah. and you're like, that's great. But, you know, like anything, it's really important to find out what cl the client's definition is of health and wellness and guide them. Yeah, find ways to get there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and and you know, I know I've talked with you about um, the coaching experience that I've had, and I, I just think I really appreciate you highlighting that. In part, it's the health 
focus and the well-being lens, but simply having someone to go and sit down with somebody on the phone or by Zoom or in person Mm -hmm. and engage with someone who's really listening and making the space for you to take the time to think about, I might want to make better eating choices, but how am I going to do that? And Mm -hmm. I could follow X, Y, and Z plan, but even how am I going to do that? You know, so Thanks. Um, If you're just joining us, I'm Gwyn Guzzo from Helping Our Women, and we're talking with Elise Phillips, professional health educator, coach, and CEO of Navigate Health and Wellness Coaching and Consulting. So at least, Elise, as you know, at Helping Our Women, you know, our engagement and outreach with the women we serve is focused on taking an appreciative stance to support women on their healthcare journeys in ways that make sense for them as individuals and whatever their circumstances. And even with the variety of women and health conditions across our community, there are basic well-being and self-care practices that we as an organization try to share and promote. Um, mm. I'm hoping that here today, you'll share a few tips and techniques mm. that you found especially successful in your experience and practice. So maybe it's even about starting with the term self-care and how you talk about that in your work. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the way I think about self-care is really the way we take care of ourselves. And it's it should be ongoing. Most people are really focused on, on caring for others. And we really need to think about how we care for ourselves and our needs as well. And in coaching sessions, we really talk about taking care of yourself, doing what's good for you, what helps you feel good on a regular basis, not just a one-time thing. Right. So I encourage, I encourage clients to think about that. And, you know, are they incorporating those things into their life now or, um, or are they not? So what's, what's one small thing they could do? And so, um, you know, taking that and putting it on the calendar every day, mm-hmm. even if it's one small thing to take care of themselves. Yeah. And so there's someone like me listening, going, Oh, even if I put on the calendar, then I have to look at my calendar and follow through with it. But that said, I guess I want to pause just a little bit more on this term of self-care because one of the things that I learned recently, I think it's easy to think about self-care as, you know, Oh, it means just take a nap or do some things that are nice for yourself but someone was very gently reminded me that Gwen doing the dishes is self-care, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, picking up the clothes off the floor in your room for you, Gwen, might be self-care, <laughs> that there are the tasks and chores that help me to reframe it, I guess is what I'm trying to say here, is that it's not just about um, bubble baths and bonbons or cups of tea, but mm-hmm. it's also about at least for me, reframing how I think about how am I taking care of myself? I would be much happier if this sink didn't have dishes in it when I woke up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Well, I think along those themes too, is sort of, you know, we wash and dry our clothes. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I think baths are actually really good in shower. So that, that can really be helpful, but what are the day-to-day things that are happening anyway and then what are the things that that make somebody feel good so you know it could be the foods that we eat mm-hmm. whether they're really healthy foods or what I like to call play foods and you know play foods are maybe what people don't think are so healthy but people do enjoy um, are people sleeping enough hours you know sleep now is not a luxury anymore it's really a necessity 
Mm-hmm. Um, how are how are people managing their time and stress well that really supports less stress? Or even just every day taking a, a good book and reading three pages, mm-hmm. reading 10 pages. Or maybe it's a day that you want to just watch a series on Netflix or go to a yoga class or go to the gym. But really just seeing what, what supports your own self-care through your day and praising yourself as you get that done and, and looking forward to it. And these, all these kinds of things come out in our conversations. Yeah. 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 That point you make about praising yourself. Um, I'm sure you've read, uh, I can't remember his name, but he, he has a blog and a website about tiny habits and he's done mm-hmm. all this study about habits and I know for flossing my teeth, I really tried to apply his practice of um, that. But the the last piece was you've got to celebrate that you did it. Congratulations. Give yourself a standing (laughs) ovation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To help it stick. To help it stick was his point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I have an electric toothbrush that goes for two minutes. And if you don't, if you do stop within the two minutes, it shows you a little frown face. Uh And I never want to see that. I always want to see a happy face at two minutes. So I just gruel it out. And two minutes is a long time. It is a long time. I got that same electric toothbrush and gave it up about a year into it. Okay. (laughs) I'm not so good at this behavioral approach, but some things work. Great. Great. (laughs) So Oh, regardless of the time of year, here we are in February having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Are there really some core tips that you like to start with or talk to people about? I mean, you've, you've mentioned sleep and, um, you know, food choices, but are there fundamental tips that you like to share with people who want to practice more self-care to increase a sense of well-being in their lives? Yeah. And again, such a great question. And I think about, you know, first and foremost, seeing what is important for them Mm -hmm. before I would, you know, tell them what, what would be important. But I think what we talked about previously, I think, you know, put self-care on your calendar, Mm. identify what makes you feel good and healthier and do these things ongoing. I think a second thing is we know reaching out to a friend, having supportive connections is really important. Um, and, and do that on an ongoing basis, you know, maybe Sunday night, think about three people you want to get together with in the following week and, and how, and when will you do that? And I know you and I've talked about this, but developing a mantra when things get Mm. a little stressful, what are, what's something that you can say that sort of helps you to feel good and focused and in control. And, and, you know, it could be a simple thing, just wait, wait, breathe, or you've got this. And just yeah. keep repeating that to yourself, or it could be a song or a metaphor that you've developed. Um, and then I think the last thing that I know makes everyone feel good, it, and even in the winter, is just bundle up and get some fresh air. Yes. And, and we know physical activity is really good, and and people always feel better after it. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh air, fresh air, self-care on your calendar, a mantra could be that simple. I know I do. I say it's okay, Gwen, you've got this, or or some version of this, uh, when I'm start to feel overwhelmed with all the different things on my plate or coming across my desk. Yeah. Yeah. So as you think about your work, not only in your own 
coaching uh, practice, um, but even um, when you were creating and running other programs, how has it informed your own health and wellness habits and or challenges? Yeah, great question. So again, I've always loved the field of health and wellness and helping others. But for me, I really love daily exercise and and I'm a swimmer. I love Mm. to walk, run and spin. And so I incorporate all those things into my day first thing in the morning, which really sets my, you know, gives me a good perspective. It sets the day up in a positive way. Um, I also really love to read and cook and draw and write. And so I do those in addition to spending time with friends and family. And I really try to just, again, calendar that in Mm -hmm. every week on some level and make it really positive. Yeah. And what do you do when you feel like, oh, I haven't done this or that, whether it's the thing you really want to do, like writing or cooking, or if it's something more like a certain kind of exercise, how do you help yourself, um, rebound when you might not quite always um, meet what you were hoping to do? Yeah, great question. For me, I love a calendar. So if it means, you know, two hours on a Saturday afternoon to pick that new book or making these new cookies or, you know, I think always for me getting into a swimming pool or some Mm. sort of water is helpful, but, but really just you'll feel better after you do it, put on the calendar, do it, get up, feet on the ground, do it. Just do it. Yeah. I, I, thanks for that. That's yeah. that, that, that reminds me that a number of different people in my life that have a lot of experience in this, like you have said, think about how you'll feel afterwards. And even though that can feel like, Oh, when I ask people who are serious athletes or training for, um, really hardcore jobs, um, in the military, that's what they've said. Look, I don't always want to get up and go do this, but I think about Mm -hmm. how am I going to feel afterwards? And I think that's like the success. And if you've had Mm -hmm. previous success, how can you recreate that? Yeah. 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 So you've been working with helping our women for the past two or three months to help us develop a peer wellness coaching program. And I'm really excited that I hung on to your bio from that Cape Cod community college class and, and reached out, um, to, to get your help with this. Yes, me too. Yeah. So I'm wondering, what have you learned about helping our women and, or the outer Cape community in the conversations that you've had with the women we serve our staff and our Mm -hmm. volunteers? Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that question. So I am so impressed with the work that the HOW community is doing. And I think, you know, the number one thing I found that it's an incredibly caring community that really values health, health and well-being. And in all conversations, we talked a lot about mind, body, and spirit and mm. how they're all connected and, and people just sort of shared, you really can't have one without the other. People also shared how much relationships are valued and getting together with others is, is really encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, so in getting to know the community, I've said, I've had such rich conversations about HOW and sort of what you're doing now and how you want to expand and support care for those in need. And I'm really impressed with how generous and giving the community is in trying to support others. And I'm also, Gwen, really impressed with your leadership and vision 
in the organization. It's it's been like it's been an amazing opportunity to work with you. And I'm really excited about contributing in some way with the work and the that the community is doing. Yeah. Well, thanks. I think what you touch on is that community piece, right, yeah. at its core. And even here now, we're not meeting in the studio of WOMR, but WOMR, in my mind, reflects the same kind of spirit of community and outreach um, to pull together the people who are here year-round or the people are here for a week or a day but are continuing to listen um, wherever mm -hmm. they are in the world what surprised you? Um, anything that you can think of that comes to mind? Um, and I also think about it as the outer cape. Um, I know that you're in the metro area of Boston, and I think you also spent some time on the upper cape. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure how familiar you were with the outer cape before engaging with us. And is there anything that's surprised you? You know, I think I really focused more on sort of what impressed me most. I think probably the one piece uh, I didn't realize the impact sort of the off season has mm. and how it's much lonelier and people are more isolated. And I think the one piece that you said to me initially was it takes just as long to drive from the Outer Cape into Boston to get medical care as it does coming in from the Berkshires. And so that, that was also, you know, surprising that, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it can be lonely and very isolating in the winter months. Yeah. Yeah. The more I was impressed with the, with all the positive things that you're doing. Well, there is, and there's a lot of community and I, I just mm -hmm. really appreciate hearing your reflection because it echoes, um, I, two other conversations in the past couple of weeks. Um, one, I sit on the advisory board of DTA, Department of Transitional Assistance, um, for issuing um, the SNAP food and nutrition benefits and some of the cash benefits for extremely low-income people. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the women from the state agency who joins our you know, quarterly calls commented when she was learning and hearing about uh, some of the programs on the Cape, she just said, my goodness, I just love the community on the Cape. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and somebody else after leaving a rural health network meeting said, you know, I talked to folks off Cape and they, they say, wow, you guys on the Cape are so connected. And I, I'm surprised um, that it, I'll say, is that different? And I am kind of curious about that. And just really appreciative that I grew up here and was fortunate enough to be able to move back here um, mm -hmm. and to now be in this leadership position and to work with the community that is here. Mm -hmm. And it's our 30th year. And I think that creating this peer wellness coaching program will really deepen our public health mission and allow us to support the women that we serve in between the healthcare appointments and those who are interested mm -hmm. in, in a way that will feel, um, you know, beneficial to them, not, not with some kind of prescription from us or anybody else, but a, a coaching support, as you described at the beginning of the call, that will come from this appreciative stance and, and look at what is it that they want or need. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I'm looking forward to our, our next uh, yeah. conversations and, and, and steps in gradually launching this uh, or getting this program ready to launch. 
Great. Me too. I'm very excited about it. Are there any final thoughts that you want to share today with our listeners? Um, sure. I think, I think health and wellness is really a journey. Mm. It's unique to each person and what works for one may not work for another. So really finding what works for you is most important, reaching out to resources and a coach to support priorities. And I think everyone can benefit from a coach and, and working with a coach. And I'd be really happy to be involved as a guide. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to developing some community programs with you that engage the community and then have opportunities for coaches that we do train to support more people. Absolutely. Yeah. So if listeners hear you today and want to follow you or find you, how can they do that, Elise? Uh, probably three ways. Thank you. That's very nice. I would love that. Um, so, so HOW has my contact information. That's mm-hmm. one place. Um, another is my website is Navigate Health and Wellness Coaching and Consulting. And then I'm also on, on LinkedIn under Elise Tophias Phillips. Wonderful. Thank you, Elise. Thanks for joining us and sharing your insights and approach to health coaching and self-care tips here, especially in the middle of winter. And I look forward to doing this again when we're ready to launch the Peer Wellness Coaching Program at Helping Our Women, because I'm sure our listeners will want to know more about how they can get involved or benefit. So thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Yes, for me too. I'm Gwen Guzzo from Helping Our Women, and this is the How Radio Program here for you. You can reach Helping Our Women at 508-487-4357 or find us on the web at helpingourwomen.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.